gentlemen, you're probably wondering what that noise was. Let me tell you, it's the sound of me re-recording this pre-podcast breakdown, the PPB, uh, for like the 25th time. And I just got all these nerves and jitters, and I've come to find that making some stupid noise before I get started, or as I get started, uh, kind of calms me down a little bit and helps things go with the flow. So uh, I'm just going to be doing that from now on before every episode. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. This episode is brought to you by nobody. This is a rogue podcast, an independent podcast, and we bend the knee. We kneel to no sponsors. But when they do come around, you better believe I'll be on both knees doing anything they want because that would be, uh, how do you like to say, a life-changing event. To get paid to podcast, that'd be pretty f***ing cool. But I got to get better at it before that happens. That's kind of the mantra of this trial and error thing in it. The name of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on this episode, I have a guest. And that guest, believe it or not, has a name. It may not mean anything to you yet, but it will once I talk about it. This guest is none other than Matt Nevins. Uh, he is a level two father. He's from Minnesota, which means he knows how to survive. He's also a foreman. He knows how to fix things. He can grow a beard. He can hike for weeks on end. And he can hear out of one ear only. Not to mention, he is married to my cousin Mallory and weaves into this family making a nice, wholesome, and strong basket. Anyways, metaphors aside, Matt is my literature guy, the literacy guy. That's what this episode is focused around. Uh, we'll be talking about Stephen King and other uh, literature-type topics. Of course, we'll digress. It's the Trial and Error podcast. There's always going to be digression. But we're roping it back. We're bringing it back. And uh, other episodes, we'll be talking about his outdoor prowess. He's, he's hiked the Grand Canyon with his brothers for weeks on end, like I said before. So that will be podcast in the future but for now we're gonna stick to this tasty topic of literature tastes a little bit like salted pork Salted pork. yes Gimli salted pork that's another thing I'd like to start doing because I love movies I am fluent in the tongue of movies and I'm just gonna be putting in a lot of different excerpts and references and sound clips so I hope you enjoy it so sit back relax and enjoy as Matt and I splash and pedal around the pond of literature in this episode of Trial and Aaron. happy going with Gertz in high school. It was one of those last names in football where it was just short. You could put the F word in front of it. You can do you can do a lot of things with that last name. Nevins as well. It's short. It's sweet. Gets the point across. It says, I'm from Minnesota, but I moved to California. It's always served me well. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're here for a reason, and there'll be plenty of digression in this podcast, but uh, we're going to try to stick to a singular topic. Think of it as a line, if you will, and then we're going to... Uh, what's what's the earthquake detector device? Seismograph. We're going to seismograph and or Jerry Springer lie detector. Just scribble all over the side in digressive conversation. But the main line down the middle, the constant, will be literature. Yes, we're going to talk books. Uh, I was rubbing my nipples there for a little bit. Um, through your shirt. More, more specifically, this time, we'll talk about uh, the goat. I don't know about the goat. That's that's a squirrely conversation. The goat of writing. I'm going to talk about Stephen King, but to call him the goat, that's a that's a tall tale, if I may stay all poetic. Order. That's a tall order. How tall is the order? The tall order. I mean, you got to take into account Sam Clemens. Sam Clemens. Sam Clemens. You use that's his right. real name. Well, oh, you're that I guy. If if you're stating the topic of conversation as literature, I might as well. Like because you're amongst the audience. You're, uh, what is that called? Their that nickname that writers have. Well, I was also. actually just hoping that you wouldn't recognize that I was talking about Mark Twain. Of course, Mark Twain. <laughs> you're dealing with me, sandwich. No, I am. I have a 
a hefty Santa Claus sized sack of ignorance behind my back right now. So if you do your best to give me your presence of knowledge. (laughs) Oh God. I I do. I do. I do dig Stephen King though. Um, He was really the first author that I read a great deal of their work. Mm -hmm. Um, Was one of the few authors like when I was reading when I was younger that, you know, I could pick up a, a, a heavier, heftier, thicker book. Hold that but, uh, microphone up to your. You've seen porn. That's just, that's just the technique. Get in there. Get just just talk to it. Caress the mic. Be friends with the mic. Mike's Mike's a good person. Um. Anyways, <laughs> apologies. But uh, do you think that like you know when you're younger you see a kid with a really fat book and something real thick like an it and would you judge them like oh look at you with that that big old book you think you're better than me because i'm reading berenstain bears i have my my thin my thin books i should say you know it's not all about size no it's the uh, content it's the content am i I right a little kid walking around reading it i'd be thinking that that kid's gonna be disturbed by the time he's done reading absolutely there's some pretty dark stuff in there i feel like a fair amount of disturbance is the status quo as we are human beings we're just some wacky goddamn creatures just letting these words of other human beings affect us in such a way. You know, he just had, he had a good turn of phrase. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. was good at describing things and, and, uh, yeah, really, uh, in reading a lot of his stuff, I felt pretty immersed. What do you Um, think sets him apart? Is it like, because I read uh, recently on writing, and it's such a conversational tone, but because he's just talking to you, like it's a pretty unique perspective. It's like a Definitely, self-help book, but yeah. it's like a personal conversation with him. But on his other books, like he does, like sometimes he uses really big words. He tries to throw me off. Like I, I get stumbled up. I'm not going to lie. He'll toss a word yeah, out I there. Think, I think, uh, I mean, I haven't read on writing, but it sounds like it's maybe in a different a different tone than than maybe the novels. Yeah, I'd say a little little more conversational, not not as proper, not but as, still, like, still well written. He's not really like telling a story. No, it's, uh, I mean, he kind it's a somewhat of an autobiography, but more of his writing career. Like, he shows where he was. He was borderline, uh, no, not borderline. He was an alcoholic, cigarettes. Oh, yeah, no, like, I, I, uh, it was just going through that and his near death experience. Yeah, I, I didn't, I had no idea. He goes into then, de- quite then, the detail in it. But, uh, I think I read somewhere he actually he went, he found the guy that had the van, mm-hmm. he bought it. So that it wouldn't end up on like eBay or something. I like don't. That, just so he. Would oh have man, it and, the, and the, somebody else couldn't make a grip load of money off. The of van it. that almost killed Stephen King. I don't know if that's true. I think I, I, I think I remember reading that somewhere. In the book, he mentions the guy died, and he, he didn't seem cold, but he was indifferent. He's like, you know, he died some years later. Yada yada yada. But the coolest part about that story that I found was uh, he's just on one of his walks, right, and his spectacles, his glasses. Flew off his head and were unharmed. He's like, I'm wearing the same glasses right now as I write this. That's wild. Yeah. Like, near death. And But he finished it. That's like, that book's from the 90s, I want to say. But yeah, it, no, it holds I've, true, I've though. I've definitely heard about it, and I've always heard people say it's good. But I uh, I got uh, into some other into some other authors, a little bit heavier. Kurt Vonnegut. Your, your eyes averted. Indeed. Yes, they do. It's, it's hard to... I, I st- actually, you have I to switch it up, though. I came back and re- reread It before I went and saw it in the movie theater, and, and uh, I didn't really remember how really... I mean, all of this stuff is pretty dark, mm-hmm. but that in, in particular it's dark because it, you know, it has to do with uh, you know, children. And... and you know, just bad things happening to kids is, is definitely a darker tone than even some of his other stuff. It's a pretty sinister, like, coming of age. Like, because all those kids had some muffed up uh, backstories. Like, the Beverly yeah, and her dad. That like, was, that's pretty. That was, yeah. I'll, I'll come out and say it. I never read the book. <laughs> but I saw the movie and will try to speak uh, all sorts of proper uh, from what I learned there. What would your it be? What would, like, if you... Matt Nevins were walking down the street and walked into some random haunted house and it oh. came out and spooked you. What would be like your most fearful thing? Nah, what would I mean, be scary? Uh, a mountain lion, perhaps the one that um, <laughs> almost got you. I, I guess my, my biggest fear, I guess is of like sharks. 
super irrational. Yeah. Well, I mean, the room can I fill mean, up with water. As long as you don't go in the ocean, you have like a 0% chance of being attacked by a shark, pretty uh, much. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a high percent chance when you're younger that the shark will be in your pool when you're diving in because sharks just get there. Yeah, like, do you ever have that irrational fear that like an ally, like a shark is just going to be in your pool for some reason? Yeah. Like, of course he's there. A, a, a fear that sometimes, you know, it makes me think twice. I mean, I always every... look before I jump in. <laughs> I mean, it's still even from like Jaws, like absolutely. Tahoe, I'm like they're they're. Oh they're, my! What's the what's, what's the, the movie? Tahoe, oh, Lake Placid. No, no. It's or the not, porno Lake no, Placid. It's, it's, there's <laughs> sharks. There's sharks in Lake Tahoe. That's the no. Movie. Dolph Lundgren plays some like marine biologist comes in and has to track the shark down. And there is no shark in some Tahoe. sort of hybrid bull shark that can live in fresh water. What is that? I don't remember the name of the movie. You should Google it. I don't like that. But yeah, I saw that. So, I mean, even though I know that for a fact there's yeah. no sharks in Lake Tahoe, a thousand feet of water under me is just like black when you look down. I don't like that. You know, that's like that's the thing for me. Like open water, I, like we'll go to Meeks Bay all the time because mm-hmm. you know the ants always have to go there, and um, I'll swim out and it gets about I want to say twelve to fifteen feet deep, but it's still like light blue water because mm-hmm. like the the ground is right there so but you it drops off in about a matter of like five feet it just drops downwards at like a 45 degree angle into nothing but pure darkness i do not like the fact that anything can come out of there because your imagination is back there and it fucking sucks and i sometimes i like i'll freak myself out and i know myself some, like there's a tentacle or some <laughs> robot hand or our or, or a little girl like little, like a three-year-old girl in a school <laughs> holding hands with her twin something's gonna get you the the abyss i should say maybe even jason Voorhees. who's that i say ignorantly Jason, Jason Voorhees, the guy, the guy. That oh, that Jason. The, yeah. Oh, that kid, Jason. The kid drowned in the lake. Sorry, the so, ten. Yeah. So he comes back and he kills all the camp. It would be s- in Tahoe. What would what would the Jason look like if Tahoe uh, had his own camp, Jason? It's at Camp Crystal Lake, and there's a Camp Crystal Lake somewhere up in the Sierras. Oh, if um if Lake Tahoe had their own Jason, oh, what what man. would that character look like if it was you know <laughs> Phil? Birkenstocks, of course. Birkenstocks and dreadlocks. Dreadlocks that cover his face because they wrap around. Man, okay, so we fell off. We fell off. We're ta- back to Stephen King. There we go. Um, what do you think? I've actually asked you this before. We had a good conversation, so I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to boomerang it. What do you think the best book-to-movie adaptation has been so far? There's definitely a few. I don't know if I could pick just a single one. I mean... You can toss um, a few at me. Humor Shawshank, me. The Shawshank Redemption. That Shawshank. That a really good one. Um, Andy Dufresne, the the body, which is Stand by Me. Stand by Me is oh, Will that's, Wh- pretty, that's pretty close. Will Wheaton's best movie? Question mark. Possibly. Yeah, I don't think I've really seen River much Phoenix else. Is best part, River Phoenix. Rest in pieces, River Phoenix. No, that was tasteless. My apologies. My apologies. Um, I just saw. Hey, let's see what else. Drugs um, will get the best of them. Um, as far as Stephen King, that's a couple of Stephen King ones. Uh, Tommyknockers was pretty pretty good. Tommyknockers. That's a pretty good one. It's it's spacey for sure. It's I can about, do space. Yeah, it's about, I can do space it's about all like day. Crashed, it's about a crashed uh, UFO. Was like mm. buried in the ground, and this people find it, and they're like possessed by it. Ooh, that's hot. Gives them the weird, like otherworldly energy. It's pretty creepy. Do they the do movie, the movie was done pretty well? I think. okay. It, that sounds pretty good. The cell um, was pretty bizarre in its own regard. It was somewhat of an of an invasion, but like no aliens. And they like he does himself the favor of not having ending the story before describing exactly what the enemy force is. Because in it, it's it's the one where like the cell phones go off and everybody yeah, answers it, it like zombies, zomb- so like so, like they go crazy. But then they over time they become more tame. But they just start de- describing uh, how they operate, how they start moving together, working together, but still like outrageously violent in different different yeah. times. Um, I never saw, I never, and then they had like they made a levitation stuff. Yeah, yeah, like with the um, 
I, I remembered seeing the trailer for it before I listened to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And it's John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson is supposed to be like little little gay dude that like sticks with it like till the end. They like yeah. become homies in the beginning. Um, but damn, like it was it was pretty. Some of the tr- descriptions and things that happen are pretty dark. Yeah. And then there's one I will not I will not spoil this. I will not spoil this. But one of the character dies, and you're like, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not. It's a Stephen King book. People are gonna die. Um, oh like one character dies, and you're like, no. I'm upset. I remember I was driving. I was driving to Roswell, and I was like, now I'm sad. My tire was flat, metaphorically speaking, and I had to keep driving until I just kind of had to get over it, put on a new donut of an emotion, and uh, keep driving forward with the book. Also, but damn. The Shining. 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 Uh, Controversial uh, uh, Shining. Uh, quite a bit different from the book, but the movie stands on its own. It does. Do you think... Sure. That The Shining is famous more for Stanley Kubrick or for Stephen King? Definitely Kubrick. Yeah. Because it would have I mean, just been another decent book of Stephen King's. Mm-hmm. When like, and what like the a lot of the hubbub that I, from what I can tell surrounding that movie is how Kubrick like, he took his own liberties with the story and yeah. did vast um, differences. But you know they did do they did do a remake. They did? Yeah. No, what? It was, it was like a made-for-TV thing, though. Oh, okay, had, okay. Uh, it was it was definitely closer to the book. Stephen King had a lot more creative control on that one, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, because that one's pretty pretty close to the book. But but Kubrick's version is, is... The first time I saw that, I think I was like maybe 12 or 13 years old. My brother, Sean, mm-hmm. was like a film buff. How buff? He was... He did go to film school for a couple pretty, of years. That's yeah. pretty buff, if I do say so myself. Yeah, he was always shooting video and stuff on these cool cameras and stuff like Closer. that. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, no, it, it definitely is is probably the scariest, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Or it gives you the most creepy well, feeling it, and it stuff It stays like that. with you. Like, there's a difference between movies that... It stands the, out, for sure. Oh, any, absolutely. Any of the, I mean... The only reason I don't say it's the best one is because it's not that close to the book. Mm-hmm. But it's more just the movie stands on its own, disregarding the book almost. I mean, he rewrote it. I mean, it's basic storyline mm-hmm. and a lot. You know, there's a lot that's very similar, but like the best parts of it, Kubrick wrote. Right. As far as like the movie and how it's directed and how how it's acted and everything, for sure, mm-hmm. Kubrick was the one that made the bigger impact. Damn. Yeah, dude, I'd say. The script like every every single day. That would piss me off if somebody took my book and completely read it. And like, I'm glad that they're taking the time to yet yeah, like make it into a film. Like, I don't know, man. Slap you in the Kubrick titties. Wasn't like a nobody when he did that. He's a somebody. You know, he's that wasn't his first movie. No, he was a he was a renowned, great writer and director. So it's like I don't know. I think Stephen King should should have just stepped back and like do do what you do because right even though it's not the exact same story is is more dramatic somehow because the book is super super creepy too Mm -hmm. which one would you say is a bit more i did read the book before i saw that movie right um and i don't know man jack nick you like you think that jack torrance is a scary character in the book Jack Nicholson fucking made him scarier, dude. He was, he was that look in his eyes. Yeah. He's amazing. He's yeah, just I mean, outrageous. Like, I don't know. It's hard. Like, it, it. The great thing about books is you can come up with whoever you think of in your mind what a character truly looks like without any visual reference. You just have your imagination. Yeah. But whenever you read it, if you see the movie first and read it, like that's absolutely Jack Nicholson. When you like see him. Did he personify exactly what Jack Torrance was? Oh yeah. In the book, yeah. Absolutely. Just like, in, like, do you just tell like, when does it start sinking in in the book that he's just truly losing? Is it what he says? Is it inner monologue? It's, uh, I don't know. Just a, it's. I like how the fridge turned on and the light flickered. <laughs> There's not enough power. Power, Morty. <laughs> God damn it, Morty! Need more power, Morty. Hundred years. No, I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, you can tell just by the look on the guy's face, like he's slowly, slowly kind of losing his grip, you know? Aren't we all? All of a sudden, all of a sudden the camera just steals a shot of him, uh, just kind of like staring off 
No, in the in the like, book rather. Or in the book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot of uh, a lot of inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Since, you know, you can. Do you think it's worth uh, some average Joe like me to go out and purchase oh, for this? Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. No, you won't feel like your time was wasted. What Stephen King book do I read right now? Somebody came up to you and said, Matt, give me a book. Like, I need it. Which one would you put in front of the other? Who's the alpha? Who's the leader? I, you know, you're talking about book-to-movie adaptations. I want to see, like, they did one. It was made for TV, but it was for The Stand. The Stand. I want to see that redone. And uh, I think it, if it was the right people doing it, it could be... Epic, epic for sure. Because there's you know, just a huge it, battle could, at the you know, end. It could even be that you know would be awesome as if like HBO did did like a full on season season about it, like 10, 10 episodes. Right. Because it's a long like the book is four inches thick. Right. It's a it's good like read eight, though. Like eight, like yeah, it may be over a thousand pages. Wow. Know. It's a thick read, but um, thick. The, Will it draw envy from those on their phones looking over at you? Like, damn, oh, that's a thick book. He must be a thick dude. Yeah, yeah, like probably indicative. Or, one or might say there's something wrong with you because why aren't you looking at your phone? True. Really, uh, it starts. It's like a long story to tell. So okay. Does it end in okay, such a, a way? Of it's long like... character development and uh, you know a lot of good twists and turns great i guess if you'd say like stylistically wise but it's a really good well well told story but it's like he's not like turning a phrase or anything like yeah that, you know what it's I mean? just good storytelling yeah that's all right but no one part necessarily sticks out in particular you know but it's like a battle of good and evil post-apocalyptic does it end in a good way i should ask or just uh, a stephen king way i suppose stephen king way i did not i did not particularly like the ending of cell because he does something and then it's like all right we're like we've been waiting this entire book for you to for like for us to figure out what happens yeah and then he ends it right there leaves it hanging which but you know what though you I, know, think, I think I proving think blue in, balls think to, be, a, to right be true way, done in the right way like uh the road mm-hmm. that's very much a story like that but i really that starring book, Viggo mortensen yeah the yes. uh the book though by cormac mccarthy mm-hmm Excellent. That's, I mean, aside from Stephen King book to movie adaptations, that's an excellent one. Right. Yeah. That's a good, I don't know, it's 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 crazy when books say like The Stand or like The Road, like a post-apocalyptic, I mean, we have the means to make that happen. Like, I think a drawing part of those is like, it could be real. It's yeah. it's fiction, but it, it's well, it's, and, it, and it's not even about like what happened because they mm-hmm. don't even really talk about what happened right. that much. It's just it's all about trying to just survive. Absolutely. And it's like, what do you call it, noir style, where they step in and it's like the story's already begun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like they'll they talk about what happened already, but like whatever big event already happened or it already happened. That that's yeah. honestly tough. What I'm because like that's. There's something big that happens in like in the book that I'm writing. There's a, a war that's already happened, and so it's like, when do I sprinkle in enough to hint at like to to bring the character the reader up to speed? It's kind of a bitch because it's like, how do I not over describe right here and then slow give them enough detail at the right time for them to be drawn in? Like, do you I like mean, things being laid yeah. out right at the beginning or like slowly, but like, no, not figure out more as you go. You know, I, I like, you know, as a reader, not necessarily know everything right at the beginning. Yeah. I, but and, people are impatient these days. I don't know. I think it's more interesting to have like a character, you know, it, it makes them more complete to like have them thinking or talking out loud about their memories, yeah. especially in something like that, because they can talk about what things were like before because how different it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to like give the reader that information. I feel you. That's, so yeah. Rather than like laying out the entire scenario right away, you get little insights into the character's head through like sprinkled throughout the story because mm-hmm. say they see something you know, that they haven't seen in a long time. And that gives, you know, that's where you slip in, like, this is how it was di- was before. Right, right. I just feel like a people people's attention spans are, you know, 
over before they begin. Like, there's nothing there. Like, it's not instant gratification. So, let alone book readers, you know, I feel like even they are somewhat impatient. Like, just to, for a story to develop, the story to move on, you know, like, you don't want to be dragging it along. But to, like, the best stories take a little time to tell. Yeah. Like, Game of Thrones right now, it's, we're about to see episode five. Like, everything's building because there's so much buildup, because you waited and let the story develop, the payoff emotionally like just with your emotional investment into the story it'll pay off you well, might I you might pee your pants a little I mean, bit part of that is i know i, I mean, do part of that is people yeah people's attention spans are so much shorter it seems like because they've got something in their pocket they can glance at i like uh you know if i'm reading something hefty i like to you know be looking through it i can see how far i am in the story mm-hmm. um and, you know, if you're trying to think about what's ha- what's going to happen or like I always try to predict what I think is going to happen, you know, a lot of times I'm proven wrong. But, um, you know, I'll look and see how much progress because you can look physically at the thing and you can tell where's your bookmark. I'm like, OK, I'm three quarters of the way through. Something's going to happen. Much, how much can really happen right now? Right. And stuff like that. So, you know, I, and I have a e-reader, but, you know. I like I like holding the physical book. When I'm over halfway or three quarters through a book, I'm I'm feeling intelligent. I'm feeling yeah. good. Like look at me turn these pages and well, no, and even, make these even words sound in my head. Something thicker, and you want to look back, like oh well, what what was what's he talking about? And you try to page back and find the spot and reread part of it, mm-hmm. like reread a couple of pages. Um, Usually, you know, I do when that. You're on the e-reader, you're just pushing a button or whatever to to turn the page. Doesn't feel as good. Um, you know, even just being able, like I said, you look at your progress and like, oh, it was like quarter inch back. And yeah, you start gotcha. Through and you can glance at like five pages and Spatial a half, half of a second compared to like the e-reader. It's, it's harder to do that, I think. Usually I have to but. do that because I'll be reading a few pages. This happened more so in school, not reading for pleasure. I'll be reading and then I realize that the past eight pages I've been daydreaming, thinking about, you know, yeah. chocolate milk and tiddlywinks. And I was like, what the hell have I just read? I got to go back. Then I'm like, I haven't even read this book. What is this book? This book is upside down. I, <laughs> I just, damn it, Morty. <clears throat> no, it's reading for me got a lot better once it was for me. Like I was terrible. I'm super slow, but I just hated reading in school because like I had to, right? Yeah, like you have to get a certain a amount done. Doesn't, if it's a topic that doesn't interest you, for sure. It sucks. Um, like accelerated reader. I mean, looking back at it now, reading should have been a normal part of my life. I just didn't value it at all. And I just didn't like it because I was told to read these books. Like these books, those books. Uh, Lord of the Flies, you know, yeah. 1984. I'm like, Are they good books? Like, of course. But would I have read them if I wasn't told to? Like yeah, once no, it's I, a book I, that I, I want to read, I'm more invested. I pay attention because I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you I have a, I wrote down a question here. If you were to make a few books mandatory, like if you're in charge of like the high school must reads, like of mice and men's, the animal farms, what would be at least at least one one or two like mandatory reads? Um, for public schools, even private schools. I I would say 1984. Yeah, by Orson Welles, and uh, I'd hesitate to say uh, Brave New World. Biologist Huxley. I haven't read that one, but I, I, I've been meaning to. But it's on a similar vein. It does. I, I get them um, mixed up from time to time. <clears throat> similar like dystopian kind of bibble babble. Yeah, it's is a the dystopian uh, future where intelligent ones say brother, aka the government, I captain, basically controls everything. And they're probably tuning in right now through my uh, through my MacBook. Indeed, they through the camera are. right here. So I mean, if they want to, well, they about. got you know. Congratulations to the government. Like they have the first, they are the the first audience members live. There's probably two two nerds hunched <laughs> over a monitor. I got my interns right hunched over. Like fuck, we gotta listen to this shit. <laughs> they probably track me for months. Like. All right, Gertz's podcast is starting up. It's dystopian. (laughs) It's dystopian future, where where basically everybody spies on everybody, and and you can be thrown in jail for for criticizing the government. Is the United States in a dystopian future right now? Well, it can't be because the future is not now. 
Or was it? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was terrible. Did you take the red pill or the blue pill? Oh, dude, I took them both. So <laughs> Snorted them. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Whatever happens. <laughs> but, um... Oh, gee willikers. I got started on on Stephen King, and I read... I mean, before before that, I guess I read, like, Goosebumps. Some Hardy Boys. How hard were the boys? <laughs> um, it was it was actually... I don't know. It was like it, they were getting into, like, adventures and stuff like that. Boys. Hardy Boys. Yeah. Were they good and proper, and they wore their vests? <laughs> and No, no. They were... Uh, what? They were brothers, and they, they would... They would uh, there was always like a mystery that they were solving. Right. So that's like classic. Everybody's heard of those. Yeah, the Hardy Boys. Good, good stuff for like kids to be reading. Oh yeah. I mean, you grow up with the morals but, and whatnot. But then, yeah, I got into to some Stephen King, and that was kind of the when I started reading kind of maybe like bigger, like longer stories. Um, that's a, quite novels, the joke, you know. And my uh, favorite Hardy Boys were uh, Matt and Jeff from WWE. <laughs> those are my Hardy Boys. Those guys. That's actually quite the leap from the innocence of the Hardy Boys into the um, into the cradling yeah, I mean, arms I of Stephen I read, King. I, I did go through a little phase of like reading some some like frontier type stuff. Jack London, oh, Mike yes. Fang. Right. Um, and I read a couple of classics early on. I was reading some Ernest Hemingway. Did you ever read the great illustrated classics? Like it's it's a hardcover book, but every you turn a page and there's like a there's like a nice drawing and then. There's just size 15. It's just super. They're like an inch thick, but they're super sh- quick reads, and I, they they always made me feel good. Reading a hardcover like back. Children's books. I would say yeah, they're children's <laughs> books. But I read them like and when I, I was a child. I mean, this is like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, hey, it just feels too. good with the hardcover back book. Tonight. You know, well, you have a, the best excuse. You are a level two father, aka you have two kids. You know, you're reading to them. Good stuff. I was gonna ask you. Kind of strange the first little few times you read it, but it was written in a different time. So. Well, it's it's cool to like revisit those. And it's a classic. No, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, what some. books? Because I was gonna ask you this. I wrote some good stuff down. What books should kids grow up on early reading? Stephen King might be a little <laughs> naughty. Maybe a little heavy. A little hefty, a hefty, little hefty. Like I've seen holes. Harry Potter probably is a great bridge from, you know, c- because those kids yeah, kind of grow I mean, up. I mean, as far as anything like that, like, uh, uh, the Bible, perhaps animal farm, I mean, animal, animal farm, not yeah. all, not I all mean, it's, it's, humans. There's, are there's, a, there's definitely a bigger story there, but for, for kids though, even though there's nothing like violent in it or anything, there's definitely you know, some, the some world stuff in there. That's, that's slightly dark. Well, I mean, over, I mean, from a well, kid's point of view, though, it, it, it could be like a kid's story. The kids got to get introduced to shit. I want to, not, not super thinking, early, thinking, but. What talk, like, what age range are you talking here, Sandwich? Harry Potter, so like, so like a little. Say, so like, say, uh, you know, your, your children, like, what like, would you want them reading? Berenstein Bears. Right. And like then what, what do you think? Not yeah, oh, don't get me, don't, don't. That would be too far of a deviation to go into con- to a digression to conspiracy theories. That's for another episode, I'm afraid. So the Berenstein Bears, we got we got a few of those, um, but I remember re- uh, having those read to me when I was a kid. Absolutely, mm-hmm. my mommy always used to do it. And yeah, my mom and dad read to me. We like we got a reading family. All my brothers read. It's a good ritual to do that. Like, one of the cooler things, like <laughs> we go back to um, on writing. Stephen King described. Because in his books, there's a lot of telekinesis. There's like mind reading, mm-hmm. mental powers, and he's like, you know what? Reading and like writing and reading is our ability to do that. Because he said, look at me. It's 1998. I'm sitting in my office right now, in my leather chair, and I'm writing this. And you, right now, are reading my words that I've written in the past, right here, right now. Like he, d- he describes it in such a way as like not time travel, but <clears throat> our telekinesis telekinetic powers or telepathic really if you haven't gotten to uh kurt vonnegut you should really get into him is he, yeah it, 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 it's right up your alley is he pretty so moist far up your alley. how far up my so alley, far up your alley you my god i can taste it in the back of your throat oh my god it's all dirty <laughs> <coughs> oh okay now curtain sat on my throat <laughs> 
Oh, Kurt with a K. <laughs> he probably <laughs> always said that, didn't he? Kurt with a K. No. No, actually, Kurt Vonnegut just passed away just uh, like four or five years ago. Oh. He's a really definitely one that's up there, too. Great American author. Mm. Really. God bless him. I mean, <laughs> if somebody was to describe like his stories... It's, you don't know if you call it sci-fi or... Are they that or, bizarre? No, it's just, it's, uh, the basis of the story a lot of times isn't the sci-fi, I guess. Mm. It's, it's like, it's I something that's just, it's just something that's slipped in there and it's not part of, like, the story he's telling. Like, if, have you ever read Slaughterhouse-Five? That's a great one. I, I think I read the cliff notes yeah. of it because oh, <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. That slithered his way oh, through my through my literature classes like a snake, stealing answers no, because no, I didn't no, have what it takes to put in the work. Thing. I got, I got, I got an extra copy actually. I'll give it to you. Very moist. Uh, I have a copy. I, want, I did want to talk to you a little bit about Chuck Palahniuk. Mm. I read oh. guts. That's all I read in that goddamn you? haunted book. It's just I heard an interview with him and he was like, oh it. Like his, he went to like writers groups and shit, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I disturb people with like words because like words made people physically ill with what he like wrote." It evokes a, a like a physical response from you. I can't believe it. Well, I was just reading I mean, like, you can, "Oh, you can it hate it. You can hate it for how good it is." I mean, what other? I mean, I, how uh, that? I mean, and it's not just. I mean, if you'd read more than just that story, you'd see it's. I'm sure there's more. Oh yeah, like a shock factor. There's, there's other things going on in that book. But yeah, granted, that's all, a one up. All, that's a one up. It, it's all pretty. That's the most. I think that might be the most. No, that's not the most twisted thing. Guts is not the most twisted. Mm. Pregnant sister. That's all I gotta say. Uh, yeah, that's got a lasting effect. That is quite lasting. <laughs> that's got a, yeah, and that fits sense, right into yeah, that category on Pornhub. <laughs> oh mercy, that is twisted. But uh, I mean, he's got Chuck Palahniuk's got a lot of good ones too. One of the girls that I knew in ad school said that he showed up at her college for like just a speech or whatever, just to just to talk. And he started throwing like dummy body parts out at the crowd and just out, just said outrageous stuff. He's just a crazy person, like yeah, he's just an absolute loon. But he got he told me the other day, um, he, he, on the, he got screwed out of so much money. Oh yeah, he got diddled. Yeah, he's got he's gonna have to work for. I mean, he's not the kind of guy that's just gonna stop working anyway. No, but I, but he, now he really can. That's a cool thing about being a writer is like you can I do mean, that till the day you die. It's great if you're good at it. Absolutely. And people like the stories you tell and how you tell them. If you can make a living writing books, that would be the bee's knees. That'd be a hoot, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think I read somewhere actually recently that that uh, young people are more prone to go to physical books rather than the electronic books. Are they? Yeah. A sense of normalcy, a bit of nostalgia perhaps? Some some kind of like analog culture coming back. I mean, vinyl's never been bigger. Yeah, I saw some out today in Davis. Since the 70s, right? Right. I think. I don't know. Vinyl. It's big time. You know, it's the hipster movement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's something kind of refreshing about it, I guess. Vinyl. Yeah, I mean, I mean until the fad goes away, extreme, but though, and I think some people do, man. Well, I mean, there's there's cool turntables out there. there there's something nice about a retro feel. Like, it's like you have a, a respect for for what was, but like but when, when it's modernized a little bit. Yeah. Like I'm happy. Like behind me is that James Bond poster I uh, acquired somewhere. Wink, wink, and. Um, I don't know, it's just badass. It's Sean Connery. It's those nice, sexy, early oh, 70s oranges and mauves. <laughs> and, uh, the babes ain't bad and the da- Yes, the dames. The, the dames. Bond babes. Classic, classy looking ladies, right? Different females back in the 60s and 70s, eh? Indeed. Different, tougher, durable, hairier women. Oh, gritty. gritty. I bet they would put in a hard, you know, 
eight hours and then be asked to stay one more hour to help, you know, close. And they do it with a smile on their face. You know, those type of ladies. They're down to get the job done whenever it needs to get done. No matter how long it takes. Yet again, I digress. What is it about, do you think, just is, is it tradition that puts the chaw in there and the, the baseball players do it, that no, hard-working blue-collar folks do it, or is it just that good? No, I'm, I'm just addicted to nicotine. How dare you? You ever chew the gum? I haven't, but I really should try. Uh, but I digress. Nah, we all digress. Is it us that addicted to nicotine, or is nicotine addicted to us? Seems like it's us that's addicted to nicotine. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Oh, indeed. Here's a question. What was the question? We were hold talking on. about what kind of books kids should Oh, read. wait, wait. No, oh, hold, hold on. we ended up talking about guts. Hold on. We're going to go back to the... Chuck <laughs> book, which I don't think the kids should be reading. I remembered what I was going to ask. So there, there's so many... Oh, absolutely. So prolific writers. You know, you got your Twains. You got your uh, Hunter S. Thompsons. You got, you know, you got your peeps. Why is it that they're you're Stephen Kings? They're alcoholics. They're drug users. Like a lot of writers the, enjoy the, this. I'm sure J.K. Rowling took a couple bumps of some magic I, powder before I mean, she got down to there's type. There's all there's all different kinds of people that have different kinds of talents. Absolutely. I mean, but but in a field like that, where where your creation is in print on bookshelves, on people's bookshelves, on stores' bookshelves, mm. I mean, your name's gonna live a lot longer than some athlete or whatever. You know, so I think maybe the 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 type of person that's going to be an amazing writer like that is maybe the the type of person that's also going to heavily indulge. Do you think maybe not every single one of them? But. Here, here's a question. This is totally off the cuff. I apologize, but when it comes to remembering names, we remember these names like you know Mark Twain. I'm sure J.K. Rowling will be remembered. The Bible. You have these classic authors. The that are, uh, Your Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe's. You have these amazing all-star writers, right? So we remember them now in 2019. What kind of names are we going to remember in a thousand years? Do you think Michael Jordan, like athletes or celebrities, now that they're kind Not of... Michael Jordan now. No, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you think Maybe these Michael writers, Phelps. do you think Mike, Michael, Michael Jordan is ten times more famous than Michael Phelps? Mike, um, come, um, come now. No, hold on. Like on when in terms stage, of like on the world stage, Michael Jordan's competing. Yeah, he competed in the Olympics like what two times. Michael Phelps yeah. is the most winningest. He all right, Olympic I, athlete. I will I will agree. In the history of the Olympics, and the Olympics is is a lot longer tradition. Oh, no, I, absolutely. But you know what I mean. From so I, I'd People have to like, like step Elon outside. Musk are gonna be remembered. Michael like transcended basketball like from the NBA. He he brought basketball to the world because he was that good. And I feel yeah. like there'll always be a jumping man. I just think uh, culturally, he had more of an impact. Michael Phelps, you know, the winningest Olympian of all time. That until will go down somebody, history until somebody else until somebody else wins more. But It'll it be a like tiny little Japanese boy. I guarantee it. Do you think writers' the, names will still stand the test of time? Writers' names? Yeah. Who's going to stand that yeah, test? Yeah, I mean, everybody has heard of Leo Tolstoy or, you know, even if they've never read anything the guy wrote. I mean, I've never read anything the guy wrote, but right. I know his name. Mm -hmm. And that guy, I mean, he's not that long ago, but, I mean, think of... Had to be doing something, right? Uh, <coughs> Plato. Plato. Marcus Aurelius. You know, those guys wrote books... What, hundreds, thousands of years ago? Mm, they use philosophy to and, challenge science, dude. You know, their Radical. ideas are the basis for, for a lot of modern societies. Because they just have a bunch wrote, of questions. Those guys were one of the few writers back in those days. Mm -hmm. <coughs> as far as how much stuff was actually being written. Down how much that. do we believe? Because you've played the game telephone, right? You whisper in somebody's ear. 15 dumbos later, it's a complete, completely different message when you whisper it. So playing telephone... Through thousands of years of one writer passing his works along to the next, maybe they fabricate some parts, maybe they don't. When they rewrite well, the script I mean, to pass it through the I test mean, of time. No, I mean they're they're they got the basis writings, and you can get different translations. And I've heard mm -hmm. that can make a difference because it translates. Maybe if it's written in ancient Greek, it translates better in Portuguese or whatever. It's yeah. like it's a better description, or the words transfer better. Because sometimes you you can tell when you're reading something that's like oh it's written in 
Russian or Chinese when it was translated into English, and it's like disjointed sentences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there's some languages where it just flows better. It translates a lot better. Right. I've heard that anyways. I only speak English. Of course. So I don't know myself, but I've heard. I've asked my um, Spanish 4 teacher one time. Would I the world be... Oh, it's, 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 not, it's, a, it's a spicy language. But uh, I asked her, would the world be better off? Do you think the world would be a better place if there was just one universal language? Her response was, no, languages are very beautiful they're very culturally based and it's a, like it's very ingrained in culture and society and what it means to the people wherever they live yeah like i don't know i, I it'd be easier i think there'd be you know, make it easier to get along possibly or to negotiate well, without I mean, I, the I language think, barriers i think technology is going to get us there there's already translation devices where you basically are just put an earpiece in and, and somebody's it. talking to you and it translates it right there mm-hmm. you know so you know, eventually technology like that's going to spread across the earth, whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually, pretty much everybody's going to have access to that, and it doesn't matter what language you speak, and communication is going to be a lot easier. It'll just be there for you. So whatever Elon well, Musk will find a way to, to use it to manipulate people, which is that's what it, it's all. It's going to happen where we have technology in our heads, where like it's the phone or internet access. We have all that. You just read minds. It's computers can get hacked, and when that shit's in our minds, people can get hacked, which means they do oh, all yeah. sorts of shit, Morty. Send somebody a virus, and they go... They start saying some... Murder, yeah. like, a specific person. Yeah. <clears throat> They're not even in control of their own body. That's a pretty pretty gnarly basis for a book right there, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Send a virus. Ooh. Speaking of books, Sandwich. Yeah. I think I've spoken to you about my movie idea. Your movie but idea? I digress. Well, I mean, books, movies, they're... <laughs> well, but it's obviously, it's got to be written before it can be made. Well, of course, but you know, it's spitfire. It's always good to get these things out. I, I, I read a quote once where it was like, the, one of the greatest pains you can endure is having a story inside you that you haven't told. Something to that effect by, I believe, one Maya Angelou. Oh, I'm turning British now. Look at it. The smarter you get, the more your accent hangs in. Yeah, no, so. post-apocalyptic. Mm. You're you're like on on like the uh, the top of this mountain. You're on a backpacking trip since that's my bag. Yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> see like a nuclear bomb or something go off in the distance. Thank God you have the it's like polar sunglasses. Yeah, I, got, on. I got we had food for for seven days or whatever, but now and like then we're going back home, but now there isn't a home to go back to. Dude, so uh, like the start of the... Do they all have sex with each other? Jeez. This is an erotica. <coughs> no, it's a group of brothers. Ah, well, the plot thickens. <laughs> oh my God! It's two brothers, <laughs> Rick and Morty. It's two two brothers. Anyways. But anyways, children. <laughs> but anyways, children's books. Children's books. I don't know. We got uh, we got Charlotte's Web, mm. which um, yeah. What, what are the little Piper's ones reading? Ready to, I don't know that Piper's ready to sit down and, and listen to anything. We like we gotta finish a story before bedtime. And gotcha. That's not like, you know. It's not a it's not a a long book, but the anticipation's gonna keep it, her away. Read it over the course of like a week or two or something. Yeah. Read like ten pages a night or something like it's that. It's not bad. Yeah. It's a, it, it establishes a nice bonding ritual, mm-hmm. I should say. That's got to be a nice time. Like, you get to wind down. You get to spend some time with them before they go to bed. Yeah, no, and, and it's a good uh, it's a good way to get her to do what you want, too. Cause Absolutely. It's, it's a big deal to take, <coughs> It's a big deal for her to take away story time. Mm-hmm. That's well, like, she'll that's remember that. thing. Like, she doesn't want to go to bed without reading this. And that's major brownie points she for reads Papa. Books to, she reads books to Jack. Oh really? Jack like Jack has a few books that he will grab and he turns all the pages and he probably reads faster than I do. Pictures and stuff. So yeah, no, it's definitely right. good, That's good to. It's good to. I don't know. I was a reader when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe help develop your imagination. Absolutely. When you're, when you're reading something somebody else imagined that they wrote down, mm-hmm. and then you read it, and it kind of puts you in that same state of mind where you can close your eyes and picture like what the story is going on. You can picture the character and everything. It does that. Video games as well. 
<laughs> to a certain extent, I'd rather have my yeah. kids reading than playing video games all day. Well, I mean, that it's 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 less that it's something visual though. It gets you know, the like yeah. The video game that's something visual. Whereas I mean, yeah, you're you're visually reading the books, but you're saying the words inside your head. Mm-hmm. When you close your eyes, if it if it's a good book, you can picture what the author is describing. Absolutely, and it's gonna be yours. Like, that's kind of a unique thing. Is like when you're writing. <laughs> audience makes of it what they will who like because my main character in my head is gonna look completely different than say goys right Mm -hmm. and that's one of a mutual friend's name's goy well his video game name apparently uh, world of warcraft picked it out he did a random name generator uh we're talking about how um you know authors love their drugs what do you think the best drug is to be on while writing the the best i don't know which which drugs and Matt, the, you're gonna write I mean, the uh, most the most bestseller, unabashed drug user writer that I know of is Hunter Thompson, and he pretty much indulged in all. Of I think a whole lot, <laughs> but it seems a to lot me of that, it. I seems to it seems to me that a lot of the really good ones at least had a drinking problem. But I mean, what do you think the best the, the best, best drug? Of, not not necessarily the best of them. The best the drug. Best one, which I don't know, drug would you take? Smoking some weed or something. Over acid or shrooms. Stephen King was really good, and he did a lot of cocaine, I think. So, I'm thinking if you did shrooms, that might be the best. Personally, I wouldn't want to be doing anything other than maybe smoking some weed. Oh, yeah, it it helps, for sure. But as far as, like, helping your creativity, yeah, maybe doing some some mushrooms or... Let me tell you the thing with mushrooms. DMT or something. So mushrooms, it's a tactical advantage, because you're going to grow at least four extra arms and get more work done. And... Therefore, like you're sped mind's up. Mind's eye, maybe. The mind's eye. Good Lord, has you, have you opened your your mind's eye? Have you seen some shit? I've have seen you seen some, some things with your mind's seen some eye? Shit, Morty. Have you? Where is your mind's eye? In the middle of your head? Is it in the back of your head? Isn't it like I right it. right between your? It's supposed to be. That's what all the the hippies are saying. Right there. Your third eye. Your third eye. That was the supposedly wiener or something. Supposedly. It allows you to interact with, like, the fourth and fifth upper dimension. That's what I'm saying. When you're staring at somebody, like, you just get the feeling that somebody's staring at you or whatever, and you turn. Like, there's some kind of connection between us, people, humans. Yeah, oh, mentally. for sure. No, there's Whether it be the mind's eye, there's or, like, there's something, I think, an I instinct. Think, I mean, you even look at, you even look at, at like, ancient cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, we're definitely more in tune with nature, and they had maybe a different sense that they could sense when certain things were happening and stuff right. like that. And, I mean, we know that that birds and a lot of sea animals, they can detect, like, uh, magnetic mm-hmm. fields and stuff like that. Right. So that's how birds know when, like, when and where to migrate and stuff like that. So maybe humans can do that, too. I'd say and it's, it's like a latent ability that since we've got technology, we don't have to rely on that type of shit anymore because we got GPS in our phones and we don't need to know what way is north. You know, whereas, you know, back in more ancient times, everybody, they didn't necessarily maybe call it north, but everybody knew what direction stuff was and everything. Right. Because they needed to. But that what's what do the animals have? Because I feel like all animals are on the like they're all on the same page. We're not for some reason. They're like how salmon can get back well, to their mainstream, I mean, like with, with in like sharks and in different predators, they can detect electromagnetic, you know, uh, uh, signals. Mm-hmm. They can tell when a fish is panicked and injured without even fucking seeing it. You know, they could just so sense it's like, it. Who's in the to water. say who's to say that that human beings aren't capable of of similar things? I mean, it's like why, but why, you know, evolution has maybe taken that away or maybe it's just a latent ability that maybe even some people, you know, some people maybe do have telekinesis. Yeah. And that's, I believe it. That's some sort of ability that, that maybe resides in every person, but only if so many people know how to control it or even know that it's there. Right. I mean, you are yet to. What's that? We are the spoon. You are the spoon. It's not the spoon hey, that bends, but it is yourself. I am excellent. Excellent quote, by the by. Um, I always like to be a big spoon. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be a misogynist, but I feel like that's where my spot. Do you have a problem being big spoon or little spoon? Big spoon, little spoon. 
spooning with the oh. girl. <laughs> the big spoon. Big spoon? Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's, uh, I'm just going to throw Diggler under the bus. My little brother claims it's he's it's cool to be the little spoon. I'm throwing him under. I'm throwing him under there. I'm backing it up with the Greyhound to be. I mean, nothing's wrong, I guess. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever but, floats your boat. You know, whatever. I'm that. I'm so macho. Some people think that they're fucking animals. I am know? so macho. I have to be the big spoon because you know I have a cigar in my mouth. I'm gotta <laughs> ash it on my on my shoulder because I'm just that macho. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll eat it. <laughs> I don't need to put it out. I'll just eat the thing. So anyways, children's books? Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> just, like, if this conversation was a car, the course would be all wet. We're just sliding Jesus all over Christ, the place. Spinning in circles. Ten minutes ago, Sam. We got out. <laughs> got mud slinging <laughs> everywhere. Throwing the fucking chain on, hooking it up to the excavator. Fucking we don't need an excavator. Out. We're good. We got nothing so but what, time. Got, I, got, I got Charlotte <laughs> Webb is, is on deck. All right, all right. Piper can can hold on for maybe reading a story over over the course of a week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Why in the Witch in the Wardrobe? That there's a whole series. Ah, that go along yes. with that. I didn't even know there was a whole series for that. There is. It's like eight books. Did you ever read um with the Willy Wonka book and the one afterwards? Like no, it goes into hell to like never, save the grandparents. Wow, no, no. It's wild. I've I've never read it, and I've. I'll bet that it's pretty strange. It was read to me in school. I like our teacher. Uh, oh, did you ever have that uh, in elementary school? Just we it stopped about like the fifth grade, but the teacher would just sit up in the front and read to us. Yeah, which no, is kind of dope. I, I honestly uh, enjoyed that. It's kind of uh, cool. One of no, yeah, we we would have that, and then at least a few days a week, couple days a week at least. Um, one of my friends moms would come and we had like a little library mm. we went to catholic school mm. st john's elementary st james over here buddy um, we were the falcons what were you we didn't it was an elementary school we didn't have sports what teams. was your mascot no mascot no mascot no mascot we had uniforms Whoa. white shirts and uh navy blue pants oh yeah same Those here wore like plaid jumpers brother brother give me a we just did like a predator type Bicep clasp, probably the manliest thing. Like Hogan and Randy Savage. Hogan and Randy Savage. I I gotta go Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers from Predator. Tell me, there's. It's like every guy that watches that, you you begin to grow a third testicle. I'm telling you, that much testosterone. Maybe Stallone and Carl Weathers. Stallone. They never did an arm clasp. Well, I mean that was macho, but just that that. The singular Dude, arm clasp moment. Wearing, they're sweaty, wearing tank tops, jumping around, hugging each other. I mean, oh, I mean that's great. That, if there's, if, I mean if that that's is nice. Not macho, then I don't know if I know what the definition of macho. Let is. me give you the definition of macho: volleyball scene, Top Gun. Oh wow! Okay. So Maverick and Maverick and Goose, books. Goose and the Mavericks, like just all dudes, no girls allowed sunset we're getting sweaty we're getting sandy and balls are getting tossed around and slapped and by slapped. grizzled and calloused hands that are lotioning up sorry i i go on tangents <laughs> just saying that might be the most macho manliest mainly man yeah, no, scene that, that, that's right up there yeah for sure absolutely those guys they put tobacco up their nose morty three cigars at wow. one time, <laughs> two in each year. Then <laughs> they stick to they they salt one of their eyes. They just stick the shaker in there. That's that's what men do. So, anyways, uh, and eating beef jerky. <laughs> at Piper School, little pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, they do like book time, like they read stories and stuff in the class. Like you're singing songs and stuff that you learned at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think that really. For me, that had a big impact, and that part of that is part of why I think I really liked reading growing up. Because it it's uh, the enthusiasm they use that that positive energy. Like you take that in as part of the reading experience. Yeah. And then that becomes your enthusiasm when you're reading it. Like you want to make a good impression to your kids. You don't want them to hear a monotone voice telling a story because then they're just gonna be like, Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna read. That's gonna be my inner monologue now. Just. 
dopey voice. I want enthusiasm. I want expression. I want pictures. I love pictures in my yeah. books. Maybe that's why I like movies. Yeah, actually, but, uh, my friend, her son, just texted me like two weeks ago that they're going to be out next month. Stay at our house a couple of nights. Really? Josh Pauly. Very nice. I'll tell you one the thing. The most diverse friend that I had growing up. Asian. How diverse? Asian. Asian. Only that's a good. That's a good one to have. That I grew up with. Well, you need I to. Even, that I even really knew until like high school. You got to complete the the friendship ring, you know. Got to catch them all. <laughs> got to catch all the friends. Yeah. Do you have any idea how many genders you have friends you have to have now? <laughs> You gotta hunt them down. Hunt you have to have all the all the races, all the sexes. No, I don't think so. Little people. I don't think so, but I think it does. Furries. Make your, I know, but I think that that does have a good effect on your life to know different kinds. Absolutely. Of people. Even if not different races, but different, just a lot of different types of people. Different thinkers. You yeah. need to have liberals and conservatives in your lives uh, well i mean no no like clansmen or anything like that of course they're well I wouldn't mean, say just, be the best friends not, to have not necessarily just that but i mean just people that have had different life experiences absolutely not necessarily somebody from a different country but i mean i grew up in you know white bread america you know great innocent upbringing bimbo i, know, I mean i know people that grew that white up bread? in the fucking hood you yeah know? they got a very different you know, set of experiences compared to me. And I think it's just valuable to have people that have, yeah. or know people that have like had different experiences. Makes me value mine more, I think. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Maybe it's because a lot the of stuff the... I grew up doing, you know, kids don't get to do that. No, I would never let my kid out of my sight when they're but growing I mean, up, like on the bicycle then, or like then, biking I mean, to school again, or something. That makes it that your own fault then. It's, because I would. Then, when you look at it, sandwich. Right. There's never been a safer time to be alive. Like compared True. to when we were growing up, look at look at you know you you know, look at statistics. Right. And and you're gonna see that when we were growing up, it was a more dangerous world. Yet we still Maybe. got to run around. I just you know what I feel mean? like there's so much bad shit that so can happen. Overprotective. Yeah, right. There's bad shit that can happen, but you like, know, as far as kids go, if bad shit's gonna happen. 90% of the time, it's somebody that you fucking know. It's not some right. creepy fucking stranger. You know, that's a rare occurrence. But it does happen, and, you know, uh, how could you forgive yourself if you just weren't super precautious? I just, I could not imagine, like, somebody that you know. Like, that's a crazy, I mean, you can't argue statistics. I just, maybe it's just yeah, everything I mean, I've seen in the not news. the kind of thing people just fucking make up, you know? Yeah. So like when the shit gets reported, it fucking happens. Yeah. I would just not, I, I know there is being overprotective. I don't, I don't want to be a helicopter parent, but at the same time. But anyways, I mean, you know, I don't yeah, trust when people. I was growing up, shit in the summertime, you know, my parents didn't like, unless we were doing something as a family, like we were out running around the town with our friends and stuff, riding our bikes around and stuff. And I just don't necessarily see that. Happening. Did you go to the lake and swim with old man Jenkins? No, but we would go tubing down the creek, you know, tubing, take huh? our, take our inner tubes, walk down the train tracks. Like stand very by me. Stand, very stand by me. Yeah. That may be why that, that connects with me. I don't know. Are you a... Uh, we or, jump and then we jump off the train bridge. Have you ever been yeah. a cheap dime store hood? No. No. But there was a few of them around town. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Bad boys, huh? Yeah. Nobody was doing anything crazy. I mean, but, but you know, in more recent years, definitely my hometown has is, is gone downhill, it sounds really? like. Really? Yeah. They're ordering waters, but filling it up with Seven Up and Sprite. <laughs> Six sons of bitches. I'm not gonna lie, I've pulled that a couple of times before. And guess what? It that tastes even better because it's so bad. It bubbles a little. Even if it was flat, it'd still be all fizzy with evil. Oh <laughs> Good, yes, Morty. Yo, Mr. Jelly Bean. There's gonna be a lot of Rick and Morty references in episodes to come. Indeed. And who go with the flow? Oh, that was that was terrible. A bad, a bad uh, impersonation of an even worse scene. Uh, so Matt, children's uh, books, <laughs> that should be like just to get us back on topic. So children's <laughs> books, no matter what the topic. Doesn't matter. We could be talking about like so with you because we've already gone over an hour. But from you, Successful. we can also expect outdoors expertise, like REI, some equipment. We'll be talking more about that in episodes to come. That's my bag. It is your bag. And then, uh, God, we can also do an episode on... a little bit of reading in the outdoors. Reading in the outdoors? I don't do as much as I probably should. Rat bastard. 
Well, when we go on our like little walkabout, mm, I'm gonna yeah. bring a book. I'm gonna do me some reading. Do me some Thinking drawing. Bury us a peak. A little peak. A little, we'll have an episode of that. Bury us What's a peak, like, man. Hell yeah! Do a podcast on the trail. I could just pass. We can pass the phone back and forth. Yeah. We can do like a before and after, Rogan during says, little thing. Why not? Rogan, the the blueprint, right? Well, that's what a lot of people. That's how I'll refer that's to the Joe Rogan podcast as the blueprint. The blueprint. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like we digressed a bit. But there's also a bunch of stuff we talked about that I'd like to go in further about. Just say like Black Mirror episodes or inter different dimensions, mental oh, capacities. Man. Just the I mean, uh, we're gonna paint the void. With, uh, I mean, expressions. a lot of that stuff is just is just a lot of secondhand knowledge that I have. So maybe I need to maybe actually read a book about some of that stuff. Let's do it. Before I speak too much on it. Eh, wait a minute. You can also talk about how you feel. We can do that here. We can talk about our feelings. I don't know. It's just that with some of that stuff, though, it's like, I don't know. Maybe you just do need to go with the feeling. It's uh, absolutely. Like you can collect data on. Just uh, and I love anecdotal evidence. How would you have, how would you have the instruments to collect data in the fourth dimension? You don't because well, nothing physical exists. The fifth dimension. If you were stepped into another dimension, how would you even? How would your eyes aren't equipped? Mm. Maybe they are though. It's maybe, probably a maybe different. By taking DMT, you can get there. That it it turns on those receptors. Possibly. That's what it sounds like. I yeah. Guess. That's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. Mostly, well, a lot because it's it's like you take it in a controlled setting and it's like a 15-minute thing. It's not mm. like acid where you take it and you're like on the ride for like 12 hours. I can dig that. You know? Ooh, I like that. Oh, Children's love it. Books. Children's books. Well, uh, I'd, say that, that, I'd say that's a successful first recording. We're going to chop this up. This is... We're getting our feet wet here. I'm glad we like we finally be able to get in there and do this. So thanks for damp. coming out. Your toes are damp, Morty. Oh my that's a man shake, if anything. Wow, now like it's actually a freaking thing. Now I can start editing it, get it ready. I want to get ten of these bad boys done ten before okay. see, for season one, just so I could stay relevant. Like, and then for the next ten weeks, drop them on the website, put them on Facebook, Insta, whatever. Okay, that's the plan. Well, anyways, um. Take away from this, people, do some, uh, read some books. Do some books. That's the real drug. Let your, let your eyes. That's the drug of choice. That is the drug of choice. When it comes to books, let it be cocaine and use your eyes as your means to snoring that shit up into your mind. Enjoy it. Books are good. They get the creative juices flowing and, you know, just stay hydrated. Indeed. Indeed. All right, guys. See you next time.